Well, it. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah. Looks like we uh, looks like we have a full room for the uh, for the LPG shipping panel, um, which is great because this is uh, pr pretty easily the the smallest asset class that uh, that is in the public markets at least, and yet. It should be encouraging to you guys that uh, that not too many people left. So that's great. Um, the um, I, I have a handful of questions, and they they. Uh, uh, but but what I want to do first is just get uh, get the some, some of the industry dynamics out of the way because the truth is uh, that uh, there's supply and demand, neither of which at least to a large extent you guys control. So let's just set the framework, uh, make sure everybody understands where we are, where you think the market's going, and then we can ask the questions that are in your control, uh, things about capital strategy and, uh, and, and how you envision your companies respectively uh, operating in the environment as it happens to develop. So, so uh, first of all, um, uh, just without getting into much detail, actually no detail. This is going to be a, a, a one-number uh, question, and then and then maybe I'll ask you to explain it. A year from now, uh, we're we're in here at, at Nicholas's fantastic event, and uh, your specific category of LPG, which I appreciate. Some of you have bigger ones, smaller ones. Uh, what would you say will be the percent change, up or down? Of course, we all know up. Uh, that that your your assets will be earning one year from now. Just make it a percentage. What do you think a year from now it would be, Martin? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, I'm good uh, at these. <laughs> and I'm not supposed to make any forward-looking statements, right? So uh, complete uh, guess. I, I don't know. I uh, I think it will be a meaningful percentage. Meaningful. Okay. Meaningful. Judicious answer. Yeah. I know. John? Oh, that's, that's very, I, very good news. If, yeah, uh, yeah. if Martin thinks it's going to be meaningful, <laughs> I'm uh, all for it. Yeah, okay. Uh, I, I think that uh, it, it will depend on um, economic conditions, uh, but uh, um, we, we think that we have seen the bottom, but nobody knows where the bottom is and whether um, uh, we're turning up. But we, we, we can see that there is an upturn in the markets because of uh, increased growth in supply and in demand in, in, the, in the LPG markets. So I think it's reasonable to expect that uh, the markets are going to improve. Okay. 50%, I'll take that to mean. <laughs> All right. W what about you, Charles? What do you think? Uh, somewhere between 10 and 20%. Okay. Uh, with the small print that I'm talking about, the market, not our earnings. That's great. And and Harry, <clears throat> uh, I'd like to remind you that in order to be able to predict the rates, you need to look at two, three major indicators. What are these indicators? Demand, supply, global economy, and maybe the price of oil. Over the last 12 months, at least for our specific subsegment of which Charles is a member and also maybe Martin, we have seen what? We have seen probably the smallest order book than any other shipping subsegment. The total order book is only seven ships. Any other order book you look, 
in any other shipping segment, you're gonna see 50, 100, 200 ships. Our order book is seven ships. 20% of the fleet is over 20 years of age. A fantastic scenario where you have an aging fleet together with a very small order book. At the same time, you have increasing demand. Many villages and small towns around the world still burn wood. They live like in the Stone Ages. These people, their next step up is to use LPG, to have a small gas canister to cook their food and heat their homes. This is what we do with a short-haul distribution of gas. And on top of that, you have the price of oil. The, 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 the higher the price of oil, the better it is for LPG. So as it seems now, we are in an ideal scenario for the LPG business, and especially the short-haul LPG business, where you have increasing demand, decreasing supply, increasing price of oil, and a, and a strong global economy. The rates already from January 17 are up 30%. I predict at least another 20% uh, one year forward. There we go. Another 20%, that's great. Um, all right, now that you've all committed to that very specific forward guidance, um, what is the most important determining factor in getting to where you hope or perceive or think it will, the market will go? And is, it, is it supply of vessels? Is it supply of cargoes? Uh, is, it, is it a demand pool for those cargoes? What, what's the most important thing that will drive the LPG market, either on the smaller pressurized side or, or on the larger semi-refrigerated side? We'll go in the same order. From our, from our point of view, it's the, it's the oil price needs to uh, <clears throat> be at um, uh, current or higher levels, and then we need no more ships being built. I agree with Martin. We need more sh no more ships being built. However, we also need a good uh, demand for the product, uh, a growth in, dem in the demand, which uh, uh, will pull this, the, the supply of product through. Um, we, we already know the supply of ships, so uh, we don't worry about that in pressurized LPG. It's only a few. Uh, it's supply of LPG as a commodity. That's the important thing. Uh, and obviously we've seen in the last few years a significant step up in LPG as a commodity, first out of the Gulf, then out of the West Coast and the East Coast, and out of West Coast Canada as well. We've seen a step up in volumes coming out of Iran, Iraq, uh, Russia, all uh, leading to incremental demand growth for both VLGCs and pressurized LPG. So it's supply of commodity. I'm uh, covered by the previous uh, <laughs> comments, but just to remind the audience that the investors have lost a lot of money over the last few years because they made some very obvious mistakes. They, they have been buying not at the bottom of the cycle. They have been buying at mid-cycle or higher. They have given very little notice on the order book, and they have given very little attention on the balance sheet. Obviously, when you're buying mid-cycle or higher with companies with weak balance sheet and a big order book looming, your chances is you're going to lose your money. That's why a lot of people lost their money in all segments. So from now on, because everybody has lost money, you, we have to be all more careful where to invest and when we invest. So be careful to invest at the bottom of the market with good companies, with low, low leverage, 
and um, hopefully also some charter coverage because a lot of people were gambling on the spot market and got very heavily burned. So that's just some advice. Okay. Um, so just to summarize, um, the order book is relatively low in both the categories, especially in the smaller ships, actually, and, uh, and demand is relatively good and so long as the oil prices don't, you know, cause a, a major disruption or dislocation, then, uh, then life should be better. Um, now, th this is where we're going to try to transition here into a little bit about uh, the, the, the capital strategy. Uh, a few years ago, we were in a similar market, especially in the larger uh, refrigerated vessels where yeah, you know, life was pretty good. The U.S. was producing a lot of LPG. The order book at the time was relatively low. And, uh, and then to a lesser extent, that was also true on, on, the, on the pressurized vessels. And certainly at least this 75% uh, uh, of the table was very aggressive in ordering new ships. Um, what is to stop somebody else from coming in and, you know, let's let's say over ordering uh, in in this next let's let's call it if we are moving into a bull cycle? Who, we, uh, first of all, let's just clear the air. Do you guys have any intention of ordering any sh ships in any size, any time in the immediate future? What are you asking the question to? And so, so is that a yes? So my, my question is twofold. First of all, do you, do you plan on ordering because the order book's pretty low? And if not, what's to stop somebody else from coming in and sort of messing, messing up the, the, uh, the supply side economics a little bit? We'll start with Harry since we've gone the other way and we'll work our way back. Uh, first of all, we've, uh, we've ordered too many ships and everybody has paid for it. So we have to be more careful in the next round of ordering, number one. Number two, you don't order new ships at NAV when you're trading at a big discount in NAV. What you do is you take advantage of the ships you have, you trade to, to make as much money as you can, and then you see how it goes. If you have the money to spend, buy secondhand or a resale or anything like that. Don't forget that in the pressurized segment, we have the big advantage that the big yards in China and Korea don't build the ships. So in our segment, even if you have all the money in the world, you cannot go and order 20, 30 ships which is a big, uh, a nice bottleneck for us. For the other types of ships, yes, you're right, you can go to China or Korea and go to the big yards and order as many ships as you like. But in our segment, where you have six or seven family-owned Japanese yards building them, the maximum output is two ships uh, per annum per yard. So we're not worried too much about the order book in our specific sub-segment. Charles? I think uh, where I agree with Harry and where he's, he's, he mentioned earlier on as well is it's all, it's all about the cost of the asset. And uh, right now, we're not seeing cheap uh, new build prices coming out of the Japanese or the Chinese yards for that matter. So it, it doesn't necessarily add up to go chasing after new builds right now. And it, to the extent that you might want to chase after them, as Harry says, there's a, there's a limit as to how many each yard can make. Uh, there's also the tank manufacturers. The yards don't make the tanks. They're made in a separate manufacturing uh, facility. And that also adds a second level of constraint and pricing to the situation and timing. Um, so if you wanted to order 10 ships, you'd be looking at the back end of 2021 or into 2022 before you can make it happen. But they wouldn't be cheap. And what's the point? 
Um, that's true, unless the returns rise to justify. Yeah. In, in that case, uh, I should revise up my 20% to uh, 30%. <laughs> Very good. 30%, duly noted. <clears throat> the order book is already 15% in the larger ships, mm. and uh, the market has not been that great, and there's no... Uh, um, I do not see that there is uh, interest in more players building more ships right now. Um, there are uh, a number of ships that need to go out of the uh, fleet because they're overaged and they are slowly going out. Uh, so, and th those ships that we have uh, do take a couple of years uh, uh, lead time to get built. So um, I, I think one has to see a light uh, some kind of interest in, in building more ships. Uh, it's a specialized sector uh, that requires um, people that know the, the business. The business. Uh, we had a few traders come into the market to build ships, but uh, I, I, I think they're limited in their size of their orders. So uh, I, I think that we will not see a substantial buildup. And I think a reduction of yards. There's just only a two, three yards that can build those ships anyway. Uh, and you, you guys have been probably the, the, the least aggressive on, on ordering. How do, you, how do you view the world as, as both sort of the leader in the segment, but, but also someone who was maybe not as aggressive in the last cycle? No, I think we bought ahead of the cycle uh, <clears throat> when we saw an opportunity and we bought them secondhand in the market when we took over Maersk's VLGC fleet and when we acquired uh, Aurora, our competitor, in 2016. So for us, that was uh, accretive for our existing shareholder base, and we bought ships um, at a decent value. I think for anyone that's looking to invest in the VLDC segment these days, I would strongly recommend against buying them at a yard, you know, when you can find them much cheaper in the stock markets. And we're all trading at the meaningful prices right now, so that's the place to look for new VLDCs. Um, Yard capacity is still a problem, but the increasing steel prices is helping us uh, <clears throat> in a way that it discourages more ordering. And then I would say to your question on financing, uh, I think financing has become a bit more binary. There's still access to maybe too much capital, and that may be a continuous issue for shipping, but the uh, the fact that, sh that financing has become more binary these days where you either have it, and if you have it, it's pretty cheap, or you don't. And that's also helping the segments. So, you know, from that point of view, I'm moderately optimistic. So, um, Martin, you, you spoke that, uh, that um, well, actually, let me back up. Martin mentioned that the shares of the public companies are trading let's call it below NAV, and NAV is a little tricky to calculate on, on the LPG side just because there's not the same fluidity of S&P transactions as there might be, say, in the tanker market. But uh, by a show of hands, um, how, who of uh, the group here believes their, their stock is trading below NAV? That's what I thought. Um, so... Uh, and, and, and one of the challenges I know, because in talking to investors all the time, is that A, the, the LPG space, as I mentioned earlier, is a little more nuanced, and, and not everybody sort of appreciates what it's about. Um, um, they don't, it's not as, it's not as uh, 
common as oil or, or LNG, natural gas. Um, but, but the other issue is, uh, among the four companies here, the, the total market capitalization of the four companies is $1.4 billion collectively, uh, which is a very small company on a collective basis. Uh, and you guys represent a, a little over half of all the market capitalization of, of the LPG space. So the entire industry is very small. Why are there four companies sitting up here instead of one or two? I'll leave it open to you however you want to answer, whoever wants to answer. I think um, there are many shipping sectors or non-shipping sectors actually where market caps are obviously low. Um, certainly from an epic gas point of view, we've been going through a considerable growth phase for the last four years and using the low market to grow. And uh, that obviously brings with it its challenges when you come to valuations. But when you're moving forward and, and looking at the future, obviously uh, all of us uh, hope or expect to move back into profitability and that will lead to a re-rating of our businesses in the next uh, 12 to 24 months. From a pressurized LPG point of view, demand is growing, supply is shrinking, rates are going up, and therefore earnings should be going up and re-evaluation re should occur. So I think um, to the extent that we're maybe undervalued, it will correct if we become profitable. Uh, and to the extent that we're in a small sector, well, there's many small sectors in the world, inside shipping and outside shipping. Does it matter? Isn't that what part of the, the stock market, equity markets is for, is for development and uh, encouragement and support of small businesses as they move from small ones to medium-sized ones to large ones? You could be right, and before anybody else answers, I, I would say you very well could be right, but all four of you raised your hands indicating that your shares are trading below what you perceive the NAV to be. So there, something is amiss, right? And I don't know whether it's the size of the companies or the ambiguity of the market or what have you, but... I would say my simple answer to that is that uh, it's, a, it's a bad market timing. Mm. It's a cycle. You can't eat NAV, right? You need cash. And these days, we don't have much to, uh, to brag about, to be honest. It's been two tough years, and I think that's why we're pricing as we are. <clears throat> Our size is, you know, maybe not the huge, but I think we're trading at the Oslo Stock Exchange, and at least we're not getting any complaints that... Um, that, that size is, is, is a big issue. Um, but of course, you know, all of our stocks could probably um, uh, benefit from more liquidity. Probably anyone in the room. I don't know if there are any other, anybody else wanted to chime in? Not, I have a sort of a follow-on to that. I just wanted just to say two things. Uh, one, one we've, we haven't always been Mm. at these kind of levels, yep. capitalization enough. levels. Uh, we've been at double our size. Mm. So you're asking us at a time when the markets are very low. And the second thing is what makes you think that if we were combined into one company, there wouldn't be another three people lining up to become the next, you know, uh, stealth, the next uh, so on and so on. You know, uh, I mean, it opens up the, 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 the game, the, the field, because the customers will not want to deal with one uh, a counterparty only. You will not have the majors, you will not have the traders having to work with only one company and only one counterparty. They will want competition so they could pick up cheaper ships or whatever, or different varieties. So I, I don't think that works. Yeah. I'm sorry. 
That's a, no, that's, that's very helpful. I mean, I think that's a constructive answer. If structurally the market is just not, is consolidated to a certain extent, and it's not, doesn't make sense for it to consolidate further, then it is what it is. And, uh, and that's, I think, a, 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 a very valid point. I don't know, Harry, if you had anything else. Basically, investors like to see, like, like to have many comps, to be able to compare and choose the best company they want to invest in. In LPG, unfortunately, there are few comps and few companies, so it makes it more difficult uh, and more ambiguous to analyze. That's maybe another reason, excluding the small market cap and the low daily share volume that keeps many funds out of this line of business. So, um, and, then, and then following on to that, um, you know, obviously in any type of consolidation, to the extent that there were consolidation, it takes a buyer and a seller to make things happen. Um, from, from each of your, the perspective of each of you guys, if you were to be a seller, first of all, would you be a seller at any price? And if so, what, what's the motivation for you saying, fine, I'll, uh, I'll sell my, my business to you and move on? Is that, is that something that you would ever do? And if so, what would it take to get it done? Charles, we'll start with you. You're, that's an easy one, I think. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, it's all about the valuations of the business and where you can see the opportunity to grow in the future. I think uh, from an Epic Gas point of view, we believe in consolidation and scale uh, because we think it delivers a better outcome for the customer. And he, obviously, you can uh, have a, a lower cost base and a better service for the customer. And at the end of the day, the customer is, is why we're all here. It's about delivering high quality, low cost transport to blue chip customers all over the world. Uh, so the bigger we are, the better we can do that. There's also, as uh, Martin said earlier, access to finance is one of the other things that would drive you to think bigger is better. Uh, so yeah, why not? Consolidation, yes, for sure. Even as a seller? The right price? Yep. Yeah, it's all about the price, isn't it? Yeah, well, everything's a market. Yeah. What would, uh, just out of curiosity, what would start a conversation in terms of, let's say, relative to NAV? You're, you're making me an offer? Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, uh, I, I, guess it, I guess it depends on the situation, but. Uh, you, you started the conversation, so you, you make the offer. Okay. Uh, <laughs> if, if I were to come in and, and say, all right, well, you're trading below NAV, I'll pay you NAV, is that something that we would even consider. Well, then you have to look at the value of your platform and your forward book and your earnings and, and no. that kind of thing. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, what about you, Harry? What's the, if you were to sell, what would someone need to, uh, to be yeah. able to offer? Obviously, you don't sell at the point that you are below mid-cycle unless you really need to sell. So the answer is yes. We're open to offers to buy or sell uh, that's the only way to make big money in this business, to buy or sell at the right time. So if the market continues to improve, as we all predicted, the next year we are indeed 20% higher, which means values are higher and NAV is higher, then yes, you sell. Of course, we have close to 20% global market share. So you're buying the number one business in this segment. So you need to have that in mind when you're making the offer. But otherwise, yes, we're open for any proposals. Comments? 
<laughs> what is best for the shareholder? I mean, of course, you can't sell at an NAV, at uh, below NAV, and uh, you, you need NAV, and you need to put it to the shareholders if they are, you know, uh, and the board to decide whether this is a, a worthwhile and uh, uh, desirable outcome for the business. I don't disagree, and I think Harry uh, had a good point in saying that you have to look at the cycle, but you also have to look at the business overall. I is the prospects of, uh, of us running a business, uh, will we create more value for the shareholders on a standalone basis than uh, getting off the train at a higher price? So it's not a simple yes or no. I think we have to look at the totality of the business and making sure that y you take your decision based on an informed view on what the future brings. And if, if, uh, if I can't create better value for our shareholders in BW by continuing the business, then I ought to sell, if the price is right, of course. But right. I think you know, we as managers should consider that in any, any day of the week, right? If uh, that's what we're here for. I, I would agree, but I, I would also say that there are probably companies that are just not for sale at any price. Ben, ben, sorry, just to say something. I'd like to remind you of how many companies uh, between 05 and 09 had fantastic offers on the table, hundreds of millions and billions on the table to be sold. They turned them down, and, and between 09 and today, they went bust. So in this business, you don't have to be greedy. Yep. You have a good offer on the table, you take it. Otherwise, you'll be regretting it afterwards. It's a very, very volatile and cyclical business. So if you have a good offer, above NAV or whatever else, you should very seriously consider it. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. Um, so now, again, sort of uh, in keeping with, uh, with corporate structure, let's call it, and corporate strategy, I know one of the things that I, that I hear a lot from clients is, uh, you know, some, some, let's call it belly aching over corporate governance that is somewhat, um, has a bad reputation within shipping, let's say it. Uh, I'm curious if you guys ha have, have heard the same from your investors and maybe not about your company specifically, but just about sort of the industry and, and how you envision your companies evolving um, in, a, in, a, in a world where people care a little bit more about that than they used to. I don't know, you can start, Martin. Yeah, we spend a lot of time thinking about that. Good governance and strong sustainability is, is definitely something that's high on the agenda. I mean, we wrote quite a bit about it in our annual report, which we just published. And it is something that concerns our investors more and more. They want to ensure that we run the business in a sensible and, um, uh, and, and, and well manner with, um, without, of course, benefiting someone that shouldn't be benefited. So. We're allergic to any kind of uh, uh, mechanisms in, in that regard, and we're quite proud of running it like that. Okay. Um, so that is a good answer. Um, the now, sort of, uh, I guess we're running a little low on time. But one of the questions I always like to ask is. Um, uh, to the extent that you guys have capital to deploy today, and I assume that to varying degrees you all do, what's the, in, within your various, you know, well, within LPG, let's say, um, what, what should I be buying 
Should I, should I be buying the shares? Should I be buying a secondhand, let's say, pressurized vessel? Should I be buying, a, a, ordering a new, let's say, VLGC? What, just, just one, one thing, whether it's the shares or a vessel or whatever, what's the best value uh, in today's market? Uh, do you think, Harry, what do you think? Shares, I would say. Yeah. Shares, because it's a very liquid asset. You can buy and sell on a daily basis if you want to. Um, and as discussed, we're all trading at discounts to NAVs, some bigger discounts, some, some smaller discounts. So if you believe in the LPG business and you like the, the business going forward, buying at the bottom or closer to the bottom means you have little risk. Uh, buying second-hand assets with shares. Uh. <laughs> buying more, <laughs> more assets at, uh, with shares, yes. Yeah? Uh, that okay. would be interesting. Even, even below NAV? Well, you're using uh, devalued uh, or okay. below NAV shares to buy assets at uh, lower prices, second-hand okay. prices. Yes. Right. That, that is an interesting angle. W what about for BW? It's no surprise, we divested, we divested five assets last year and total proceeds of around 185 million and we're taking some of the gains from that and uh, using um, on a sale, on a share buyback program which we lost, launched uh, last week. Yeah. So for me that's good, good math, you know, we sell above NAV, NAV and, um, and buy below. Perfect. Okay, well we have about a minute and 19 seconds left, so I, I always try to make sure that if anybody has a question, they have an opportunity. So are there any questions? Otherwise I can keep going. Okay, there we go, we have one. Go ahead, go ahead. yeah. So um, BWLPG's contract coverage is about half the level it was last year for 2018, I think 14%. Uh, is that a function of that the charterers just don't want to take the long-term coverage or make a long-term commitment to BLGCs, to the large gas ships now, maybe because of the order book or uncertainty about IMO 2020? I think the main, the main factor in that is the, the uh, bid-ask spread bet between what we want uh, on, um, what we're able to, fi to fix at and what the charters have been willing to pay for the past two years. So <clears throat> we had 75% contract coverage in 2015. Some would argue that was a bit on the high side, and we always try to focus on having a balanced uh, contract book. Over the past 24 months, uh, the market has been, you know, quite quite low, and some of our clients, or most of our clients, find it enormously difficult to take an upfront loss on their chartering book. And when they try to take the current market levels and extrapolate them into the future, we have to say, sorry, you know, we we can do short term, but we can't do long term. So. That's why you see 14% only of contract coverage in, um, in, in our book currently. Uh, well, I, I do think we're out of time. And um, oh, is it really good, Zinger question? That's, that's all that I'm going to. It's a good one? All right, all right, let her rip. Where in the calculus of your supply-demand uh, is the most vulnerable point. Where in those various variables do you see the most likelihood of being wrong and by how much? That is a good question. Try to keep it to like two words. What's, what, in supply and demand, where's the biggest risk as you see it? 
That was quick. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, uh, I think uh, the, um, the oil price, again, is the biggest variable that's difficult to forecast and control. And I think we all benefit from a fairly high oil price. It'll stimulate production. It'll stimulate um, more competitiveness of oil versus LPG. It'll stimulate um, petchem switching in Asia. And it'll benefit the, all the retail users across Asia as well. So, you know, a, a reasonable oil price is good for this industry. That's consensus on that one? All right. All right, great. Oil price, good answer. Thank you very much, guys.